So check this out. Bright Hire just launched this amazing AI sidekick called Bright Hire Plan. It's like having your very own AI assistant that can build full interview plans in just minutes. Imagine going from a job title to a thoughtfully crafted, inclusive job description and a full structured interview plan in minutes. No, not hours anymore. It's a game changer for recruiters and hiring managers. I know I'm usually the one to hate on new tech, but honestly, this sounds incredible. This is AI used right for better quality and more efficiency. It's like the holy grail of recruiting. Dozens of companies from high growth startups to multi-billion dollar enterprises are already using Bright Hire Plan to save tons of money, time, and raise the quality of their hiring. And here's the best part. You can give Bright Hire Plan a spin for free. That's right, for free for 30 days. Just head over to brighthire.com to get started. That's brighthire.com to get started. Cheeseman out. Like Shark Tank? Then you'll love Firing Squad. Chad Soash and Joel Cheeseman are here to put the recruiting industry's bravest, ballsiest, and baddest startups through the gauntlet to see if they've got what it takes to make it out alive. Dig a foxhole and duck for cover, kids. The Chad and Cheese podcast is taking it to a whole Oh, level. oh, yes. It's another firing squad, everybody. What's up? It's your favorite guilty pleasure. That was orgasmic. AKA the Chad and Cheese podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman. And as always, the Barbie to my kin, Mr. Chad yes. Sowash the sexy is one. on the line. And and we are just excited. We got a, we got a Scott in the house, everybody. Welcome to all things Scottish. Our slogan is, if it's no Scottish, it's crap! Let's welcome Fraser, don't call him Fraser, Patterson, founder and CEO at Skillet. Fraser, welcome to the podcast. Hey guys, yeah, thanks for having me. Good to have you here. Little intro? Yes. So uh, yeah, I was, as you pointed out, I was born in, born in Scotland, uh, which you've made quite a thing of. Yeah, I grew up holding a tape measure. Uh, I come from a construction family and was kind of pulled into construction, pushed into academia by a grandfather. I went to this like Harry Potter like boarding school in the north of Scotland <laughs> and then kind of, uh, you know, made my way. No, no, literally, when I saw Harry Potter for the first time, I actually thought it was filmed in my boarding school. It's uncanny. It's, like, it's a fact. <laughs> Holy shit. And uh, yeah, and fell in love with a math teacher and math. And uh, from there, kind of became a carpenter. I was an apprentice. I was a journeyman carpenter. And I was also a math teacher and lecturer and, and researcher. So um, yeah, live in New York, married, kids, and love cooking and building startups. And I'm a kind of extreme optimist with a passion for, for leading indicators of bad news. So you fell in love with a math teacher. Yeah, that's another podcast. So, so yeah, you yeah, fell in love with a math teacher. I actually just slipped out. Did you marry the math teacher? I, I bet it. I bet it just slipped out. What are you doing, step bro? I appreciate that I was in an old boys school, um, and I, I, let's put it this way: mathematics was, was packaged well as a as a subject uh, to me, and uh, I fell in love with the subject. He just said packaged. Packaged. <laughs> Fraser, by the way, has never heard our show. So he's in for quite a ride on this one. I got I gotta know, do do Scott's construct is it like a kilt and a tool belt like combo that Ooh, you can wear is nice. popular in Scotland? Uh well, I mean, all Scots have got their own clans tartan. So mine's yeah. uh, the Patterson, there's an Anderson, which is my mum's maiden name. 
but I can't go to like the Home Depot equivalent in Scotland and get a uh, a tool kilt. It's been a uh, while, so I, that, none of that was available. This is going was, nowhere. So let's let's yeah. uh, let's let's tell him what he's won, Chad. It's the dry cheeseman jokes that uh, it that's works great him. on the weekly show. Should Just should be so should be great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, Fraser. Welcome to Firing Squad. This is how it's going to play out. At the sound of the bell. There it is. You're going to have two minutes to pitch Skillet. At the end of those two minutes, we're going to hit you up with 20 minutes or so of Q&A. Be sure to be concise or you're going to get the crickets. That just means tighten your game up. At the end of Q&A, you're going to receive one of three of these. Either big applause, Skillet serves up a full course Michelin rated meal. Talent and companies will be hungry for this platform, baby. Uh, A golf clap. (laughs) <laughs> You're going to need a new chef and sous chef because Skillet is leaving a bad taste in our mouth. And last but never least, the firing squad. Oh, Instead of Skillet, oh. you should kill it. Uh, get back into the kitchen because you're going to need to cook something else up. That's the firing squad. Are you ready? Brutal. Love it. Yeah, <laughs> ready. All right, Laser. I mean, Fraser, your pitch starts in. Yeah, so Skillet is building the world's first data-driven skilled labor recruiting platform for the construction industry. So we provide mid-market and enterprise contractors with really kind of easy access to a rapidly growing network of the nation's best craft workers. So like carpenters, electricians, plumbers, concrete workers, and a suite of tools that are basically purpose-built to make craft recruitment, you know, radically easier and faster and smarter for the recruiting team. So We do this by collecting data across hundreds of variables from each and every worker directly. We don't scrape data. This comes right from the worker. Uh, Everything from trade experience, skills, qualifications, uh, attitude, desired pay, even like their future moving plans. And this gives uh, employers for the first time kind of accurate, like full 360 degree understanding of a craft worker. But it also means they can actually find and hire the best employees that they're looking for. It also enables us to build powerful software that automates a lot of the kind of rote work that craft recruiters have to do every day. So that frees them up to do more important stuff and be the hero of their organization, if you will. Today, we're laser focused on solving our customers' biggest hair on fire problem, the skilled labor crisis, so sourcing uh, skilled labor. But, uh, and we're doing that by being, you know, becoming America's best matchmaker to craft labor and employers. But the big vision here is use this proprietary data set that we're building and this digital infrastructure to really train and upskill um, our talent network so they become increasingly you know, important to our employers. And if we can achieve that, then I think we can make skilled labor one of the greatest assets on earth and actually increase the quality and quantity of skilled labor in the world. And that way, I think we can achieve our housing and infrastructure and clean energy goals. We'll take it. We'll take it. All right, Fraser. It's already been touched upon. We're recording this right around lunchtime, or I am at least. And when I hear skilled, I think of the Grand Slam breakfast at Denny's. But that's a different different episode uh, altogether. How'd you come up with the name? Was it a hard decision? I mean, I get it as I look at it. What was the number two name that you were going with that lost out? Talk about how you came up with the uh, the brand. There wasn't a number two name. So 
August 2019, I took a vacation with my family. I was exhausted and I was basically, I'd been, I'd built this vertically integrated GC in New York and we were struggling to hire craft labor. So carpenters and, and general labor. And while I was thinking about how there had to be a better way to do this, I was actually reading a, a magazine and there was an article called Design or a company called Design It. Design It, one word. And it reminded me of this article that I'd been reading and this kind of like train of thought about you know, the four-year college degree, the ROI on that is starting to play out. It's not very good. And the future, I don't think, is degrees or school, but skill. And so it had this kind of, you know, energy behind it. It was a bit of a thumb in the eye to, you know, all the folk throughout the years that kind of made fun of me for being a carpenter and a laborer. And so it had a kind of like, you know, ex- I don't know, it had a kind of fuck it energy to it. And so Skillet, that's where the name came from. Okay, okay. <laughs> so you, you have like it, a yeah. nice folksy, you know, I'm a carpenter, sort of a Jesus Christ <laughs> angle to your to your picture. But but you've you've founded other companies, you're an advisor, like you're a you're a business guy, but you don't have experience particularly in recruitment or employment. So how'd you land here? And how is your lack of, of experience maybe an asset into this business? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, as I mentioned, I founded the company in 2021 after being a GC on the hiring side. So I'd been struggling to acquire, you know, craft labor and retain and, and train and upskill craft labor. I'd also been on the other side. So as you pointed out, I was a, I was a carpenter for many years. I was, you know, uh, I was on the trade side. So I kind of started to realize that the problem we were facing was really a data problem. So a lot of my time as a contractor was spent in the dark not knowing how to source workers because we've just ignored them for, you know, uh, well, forever, frankly, right? The deskless worker. We've built all these tools for knowledge workers and not craft workers. No way to use job boards well because the data isn't there. You can't really assess people's skills. You don't know how much to pay them. Connecting with them is really tough. And so, yeah, I think my that was that skill, it was born out of that frustration. But there was definitely a naivete. But I think it also gave us a unique insight. This isn't a labor issue, in my opinion. It's a data issue. And I can speak a wee bit more about what it means to be skills focused instead of like role and job focused, because I think that's the future. But we're already starting to see how this plays out in really interesting ways. It's also behavior behavior focused because we take a look at, yes, all the kind of like white collar. There are a lot of types of positions that automatically went online. They went to job boards and so on and so forth. Construction wasn't that. Right. So how do you get candidates into the system? Because this isn't the usual way they find the job. And obviously for you to scale, you need to get those candidates into the system so that they fill out all that information about them so that you have the data and you can actually make this happen. But behavior is really the big key changing their behavior on how they go after a job. How do you do that? And how do you get them in the system? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that are that are at play here. One is we just assume that the world's deskless workers don't know how to use technology, which is rubbish. They're all using Amazon and Netflix yeah. all, all day yeah. long. Just yeah. no one's ever taken time to actually be have empathy for them and figure out what's your day like. So, you know, if you're standing by a pile driver um, in the freezing cold with gloves on, maybe, you know, downloading Zoom and getting on an interview isn't, isn't the, the best way for you to get, you know, in front of employers. And I think the other thing as well is the world's seen a huge change in the last five to 10 years. The, the trend has been for more and more workers to expect more because they're on Netflix, because they've got these natively digital experiences. They want a faster, easier recruitment process themselves. But also they're moving away from gig work. So it's really interesting. If you, sh- you, know, you see most graphs will show you this trend that gig work is eating the world. 
in construction, 98% of the workers that are of the you know tens of thousands that are coming on a skillet, they want full-time work with a company that respects the craft, pays them well, trains and upskills them, like they're looking for a home. So that's our value prop. We didn't go out there with like, you know, buy low, sell high mentality of staffing agencies and, and, and RPOs, et cetera. This is essentially going out and saying, if you create one skillet profile, which we make super easy to do, just to give you a wee insight there, we basically, it's a self-serve process, captures a lot of great data on their skills, their expectations. We also have yeah. proprietary craft assessments that show them for the first time how they actually compare to other workers nearby. But also we speak to every worker. You actually vet them. I went through the process. So the question here though is, you have to get to scale. How do you get tons, loads of construction workers into the system. I understand that they they know technology. It's just the difference between desktop versus mobile, texting versus Zoom. Totally get that. We understand that 100%. What I don't get and what I need to understand from you is how do you get to scale with actually getting more construction workers in? When's the Super Bowl ad is what we want to know. When's the Super Bowl ad? <laughs> we know that's not going to happen, but how are you doing it? How, how, how are you getting to scale? So a few things. One is we've got a really powerful content strategy. We've got a great digital footprint. We've been able to use that kind of uh, highly data-driven understanding of workers. And actually, it's pretty unparalleled. It means that when we speak to, say, you know, carpenters in New York, it's a different positioning or messaging. It's more personalized than, say, you know, a concrete worker in Charlotte. So we're pulling in workers and the 52% of workers that join Skillet recommend another worker. We're also building out products so that it become, they can network the workers. So this is not, not for right now. This is not the phase we're focused on, but we're going to be networking the workers so that they can actually engage with each other. Not a social play. We don't believe in building a social platform. We get compared to LinkedIn a lot. Maybe the same, a similar outcome, but not the same uh, strategy. And... There's kind of powerful network effects that we're starting to see play out. So there's real value to the worker tools that we're starting to build, the, the career guidance, salary tools, leaderboards, et cetera, and also value to workers platforming other workers. So for example, almost all customers have an employee referral program. If you network the worker, we can actually enable them to bring in... Am I rambling? All right. Yeah. All right. A, a, a Scott that talks a lot. Imagine that. That's so weird. We are uh, a tad okay. loquacious, but uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Never heard that before. Never heard that before. <laughs> you may take our lives. Anyway, um, <laughs> it, it, sort of dovetailing into that, you guys just raised, uh, what was it, $8.5 million. It's a total of like 13.6, which is a really healthy- That's a big applause. Organic growth. Good stuff. Yeah. So uh, what are you spending the money on? How do you plan on spending it? Obviously, I think go-to-market is some of that, but how else are you are you leveraging the cash? Yeah, so um, obviously expanding our, our sales, marketing, customer success teams, product and engineering teams. We've started a really successful sales rollout. So we want to basically be building on the implementation and activation and, and expansion of, of, of customer accounts. I think really importantly as well, it's, um, it's a good healthy signal to our customers because they're looking to build, a lot of these companies have multi-year project pipelines. And what we're essentially building out is a you know, craft recruiting and intelligence platform that is, has essentially several years of capital in the bank as a, as a runway. So they can confidently engage with us. I think uh, 
that that goes a long way to giving these larger mid-market and enterprise customers confidence that we're going to be around for the next few years to build this out and they can rely on us. That's good. So uh, you mentioned being around for a while. So let's talk about the competition. Factory Fix is a sponsor of the show. I assume they're in that mix. It's interesting that you say the gig economy is not on your radar as a competitor. You threw out LinkedIn. I assume you don't consider them a competitor, but maybe there's something that, that we don't know. Talk about the competitive landscape and, and where you guys are different and how you fit in. Yeah, so today we're kind of laser focused on the construction, W2, construction industry, top 10 trades. These are really critical trades to our critical infrastructure and, and clean energy goals that we're seeing huge tailwinds behind. So we're laser focused on that. W2 for the aforementioned reasons. Um, we're really, over time, once we've solved, once we've built that data model out and can actually show that the hiring outcomes using Skillet are superior than all the other solutions combined. So faster access to workers, better outcomes in terms of interviews, better retention. We plan to be 1099. We also were in early talks with unions. So this is going to be both open shop and union. We want to give our customers a single solution where they can hire anywhere in the country, eventually anywhere in the world, um, regardless of the flavor of that labor. But I think LinkedIn's not really good for the deskless worker. Not many of our no. customers <laughs> are going on to LinkedIn to find carpenters and plumbers and electricians. And it's not because the technology doesn't necessarily work. It's because that, that demographic didn't feel ever communicated to or catered to by, by kind of felt like an imposter in that room. So, but we do see ZipRecruiter, Indeed, you know, all the obvious job boards. We know most of our customers are using Indeed. We consider that to be our primary competition. And becoming a larger share of hires than them is one of our kind of internal goals. But a lot of the problem here is that with these solutions is they're point solutions. You know, they're not really truly verticalized. They haven't understood the worker. They don't build out the, the tools to make the process. You know, there's no automation potential. Uh, and, and often it just exasperates the, the, all the downstream problems. So I'm going to go back to back to products and things that obviously employers uh, care about the most. So what is the current size of your database and what is your internal goal for the end of the year? What are, what are the marks you guys are trying to hit? So we don't get into like the numbers because how we're actually acquiring the workers is 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 uh, is a wee bit pr proprietary, and I get into trouble when I talk about actual numbers on the worker side. But it, uh, just to be clear, <laughs> sorry to disappoint, but <laughs> it is what it is. Um, mm -hmm. But on the customer side, we have customer goals, we have market goals. You know how many trades, how many regions, and and we're we're making great progress towards those. And to date, what we've done over two hundred times is launched what we call trade region pairs. So launching a trade in a region and satiating our customers' hiring goals, we've done that successfully over 200 times now. So the network is starting to grow on the labor side. We're growing like really fast on the customer side, you know, 50% kind of month-on-month -month, uh, growth there. So, you know, very healthy. Um, and, and look, the goal here really is, you know, get to a point where in the next, uh, you know, 18 months, we are essentially a kind of the, the, the kind of critical W2, you know, labor platform for the for the top ENR and the, and the mid market. And, and from there, go kind of up and downstream. What's up, guys? I got a question for you. What happens when you bring the power of AI to programmatic advertising? Well, game changing efficiency, of course. What does that mean to you? Improved conversion rates reduced cost per application, and ultimately the one metric that we all know truly matters, 
reduced cost per hire. Sounds pretty good, right? Well, great news. This technology already exists. Introducing HireMaster.ai. HireMaster.ai is a data-driven model that analyzes a wide range of data sources. It considers factors such as candidate demographics, job type, industry, and historical performance data. It continuously monitors and optimizes your job advertising campaigns to adapt to changing market conditions and maximum results. HireMaster AI empowers recruiting teams to work more efficiently and effectively by automating certain tasks and providing valuable data-driven insights. Why not give it a shot today? Learn more and start your trial by visiting HireMaster.ai now. That's H-I-R-E-M-A-S-T-E-R. AI. Okay, so it sounds like the way that you're rolling out is more of a regional effect. You're picking areas that are highly, let's say, for instance, in need of construction. I'm sure you're doing your, your research in that area. And then you're rolling that out region by region. And you're doing that not just with all of your you know, construction and, and, and pipe fitting and so on and so forth. You're doing that uh, specifically in certain areas and then starting to grow that. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. So the, the strategy here is really acquire high quality demand. So high quality customers that gives us the ability to then acquire local supplies of labor. And then we can repeat that and go uh, land and expand with those customers, but also that means we can build the labor supply and then start an outbound motion to pull in customers who are essentially hiring for the same uh, trades in those regions, right? Like carpenters in Nashville and, and, and kind of electricians in Phoenix. And we've been really methodical about how we do that because, you know, we, we've developed a kind of labor, we call it a labor acquisition investment formula. Like we're quite literally figuring out what is the cost of acquiring labor in all these markets and what are the top regions and what are the top trades crane count, all of these variables go into our kind of mix to, to inform our go-to-market. Okay. So when you actually go into these the, these areas, are you working directly with, with unions as well? Because in many cases, they are the supply. And to be quite frank, you could be the operating system for unions. And I mean, obviously, there are several unions that you're going to be touching. So is that one of the strategies that you want to be the operating system for the unions that are out there who really have the supply already uh, baked in? Yeah, we were actually in Washington just at the end of last year with the TAUC. So we're we're starting early conversations with unions. Most uh, skillet can get very large without with purely open shop. It's it's you know ninety uh, sorry eighty eight percent of all of the the skilled labor in the U.S. is is not affiliated with the union. But we think that there's huge value to partnering with unions over time, and yeah, very possibly helping to digitize and power their hall experience, their their dispatch experience. They have similar challenges to what our customers have in terms of acquisition of labor, recruitment, uh, retention, training, upskilling. So yeah, I think we can help power their their members' experience. But we're a little that's a little bit off from that. Uh, not our primary. Okay, focus. so right now we do have a limited labor supply, as you had said before. I mean, when when Joel and I went to school, we actually had what they had comprehensive high schools where you could go through instead yeah. of trying to get ready for college, you would go into electricity um, to be an electrician, to be a carpenter, to be you know a plumber, etc., etc., etc. We wiped those off the map with uh, 
stupid trickle down economics pushing everybody to to, to be able to, to to get a piece of paper as opposed to skills, right? So that yeah. being said, one of the biggest issues we have is that we don't have enough labor, right? We have plenty of demand. We just don't have the labor to be able to supply to it. So when it comes to training, are you guys looking at prospectively partnering up with training organizations and or prospectively pulling in and using maybe some of that money to, to do a little uh, training yourself? Yeah. So we believe that by starting with the customer and digitizing the worker, building that digital infrastructure, getting big with that digital infrastructure will mm-hmm. enable us to actually start to build products for the workers. So yes, in essence, we can already see the strengths and weaknesses of a worker. We can provide that information to a customer. That customer can then better target the training that that worker, that individual worker needs. So it can become much more personalized, which of course leads to better retention and so on and so forth. And of course, I think the the kind of powering of that, yeah, we can connect with trade schools. There's lots of green shoot, you know, labor supplies uh, popping up in an effort to, to solve this, this, this huge problem. I think being really front row with the, the data and the labor data on the workers and the, the trust of the customers as their you know, data-driven craft recruiting solution, I think that gives us a great opportunity to inform all of these uh, entities on how they should be training and upskilling and, and connect the, you know, build the piping to connect them. I'm interested in your comment about Washington. Are you guys lobbying? Um... What are you doing in Washington? Is there immigration policy that you'd like to see happen or not happen? So we were invited by the Association of Union Constructors. They're a kind of premier national trade association for contractors. We've had a lot of interest from unions because we're, I think we're tackling this in a unique way. And I've, I've taken a kind of like anti Travis Kalanick approach to dealing with unions, which is, <laughs> you know, to actually engage and, and figure out like, can we work together and how and, you know, not get to scale and then become, you know, contentious with one another. So, and those conversations are fascinating because they have very unique uh, challenges, which I think over time we can re-architect and build product for, but, but for now, no, no, no lobbying. Yeah. I don't want to make it a political uh, interview. It's about the business. Uh, Maybe we can talk about immigration and other things uh, at some point down the road. You mentioned uh, at some point, hiring around the world, which makes me think there is either an international push now or that there will be in the future. Talk about your global aspirations. Yeah, so we ha- we are getting pulled right now internationally, but we're choosing obviously to stay focused on the U.S. That's far for the course. But I I've lived in different countries. I've lived in the U.K. I've lived in Mexico, and I've been in the industry and in all these industries. And frankly, it's a very similar problem. And this really is a global issue. I think. If we're going to achieve these huge lofty goals of, you know, clean energy transition, decarbonization of our real estate, the electrification of our real estate, housing goals, infrastructure goals, immigration is a key piece of that. And I think once we've once we've got to phase two where we can actually start to build product for our worker, I really do see us starting to operate internationally before even being a household name in the US and potentially, yeah, using immigration data driven immigration as a tool to help, you know, solve supply demand. And I think there's a, there's a really worrying idea that robots are coming to the rescue. And um, I don't know if that's something that interests you, but I think it's a fascinating topic. It's, I don't see that happening in construction. Hey, go ahead, go ahead. Give us, give us your, uh, give us your take on AI automation, how that's going to impact the business. I mean, we've seen huge prol- proliferation of AI across media, banking, 
healthcare. But that's because these industries naturally produce, you know, massive amounts of information, white papers, blogs, etc., social posts. That's how you train on a, a large language model with power and AI. There's no data in construction. There's no data flying off of a carpenter each time they're, you know, doing some trim work. So we, the world's intelligentsia has kind of ignored that, that the industry itself is not naturally going to produce information that can help train and refine a, a language model in AI. So on the one hand, it's going to be extremely hard for us to have fully autonomous anything in construction, but also it's massively risky. I mean, it's high risk. You can understand that construction companies are really have a low risk tolerance. So the first part makes it unlikely, and I think the safety part makes it unlikely squared. So this falls on us. This is on humans to, to solve this problem, which is exciting. I mean, it's, you know, that's a great future where you're not just, I don't know, maybe crossing an ocean is one way to solve climate change in a boat. I think it's better to get out there and build solar farms and help connect people to do that. Razor, I know exactly what you're saying because I've put together an Ikea couch before. I know how hard construction and labor is. <laughs> yeah. What do you guys want to be when you grow up? Is is it get acquired? I, I have a hard time seeing an IPO for a company like this. What do you want to be? What's the end game here? Oh, go public. Why? Hard, hard to see an IPO, really? For I don't, I don't see that hard at all. But we're not. I, I don't want to build to anything less. I think what we're building has so much potential, both domestically, internationally, in terms of becoming a critical labor platform, a company of consequence that actually solves a real world problem. And I don't want to put that into anyone else's hands, frankly. I would only trust us to go public. That is the goal. I've been acquired before. I don't like it. And I'm, I'm not saying that I would die for fiduciary duty to entertain all of that <laughs> along the way, but we're aiming to go all the way. I think Skillet is building potentially a, a really important company for the 21st century. All the tailwinds are behind us. We just need to keep building. Going all the way, Chad. Jesus Christ. Uh, global aspirations, IPOs. This thing must be really effing expensive. Like, talk about the pricing. <laughs> How are you gouging companies so much to have this kind of mentality? Yeah, no, we're not. Actually, we're about 70% cheaper when you tie in together all of the various costs that construction companies are, are spending across the various point solutions they've got, right? From Indeed, like job boards, RPOs, staffing agencies, et cetera. We charge a monthly subscription for each region and role, and the, the value equation continues to evolve, but it is a, you know affordable monthly subscription for access to all, uh, an unlimited number of hires. You have unlimited seats. It's better on the bottom line, not just a, not just a better solution. Was there an actual number in there? I, I dozed off a little bit. No, I didn't provide one. Okay, thanks. I just want to make sure you that, coffee, that, man, that, that yeah. was the case. All right, he's a little dodgy. Is he ready it's for the firing seconds. squad, though? <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> All right, Chad is chomping at the bit. He's he's on his third cup of coffee. Go for it, Chad. So, Fraser, I grew up in a construction family. Every single male, I swear, had a hammer with them or you know, fitting pipes. All damn right. day. Uh, and they were always busy. And, and every single one of them had a chip on their shoulder because they had all of these these uh, individuals who went to quote unquote college had the paper that looked down upon them. Although these guys made a damn good living, right? Uh, we've gotten away from that. And I can kind of like feel that chip on your shoulder, which I, I love. I, I love that because that drives uh, a startup. It, starts, it drives a founder. Now, I understand that you're very, very early in this journey and being able to actually get the skills on 
you know, over the paper, but getting the data, you know, that to me is going to be one of the the very hard pieces for you guys, especially even as you roll out these uh, trade region pairs, right? Investing in sales and marketing makes a hell of a lot of sense. But the thing is, as a guy who's done go to market for years, you have to have that product solid, right? Uh, and which means we need candidates and you need a lot more data to be able to, to, to make sure that you get in there. So driving can- candidates with grassroots and a content strategy, the whole network effect thing sounds great. It sounds wonderful, but you're going to need more than that. I really believe you're going to need more than that. 98% of construction uh, workers who come into Skillet, they want full-time. That doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, they, they don't want a gig from you know job to job. They want to have that 40-hour-a-week schedule where they know they have stability. That's what they want. Here's the thing. I really believe uh, you need to become the operating system for the unions. And, and, and the reason why I say that is because they have so many things that you need. Number one, they have the supply. Number two, they have the training, right? They have all of those things, not to mention you talk about going to DC and starting to partner with government. Government needs this too. They need an answer. The unions need an answer. The government needs an answer, which means I don't think you're ever going to have problems with additional cash, right? If you can start to demonstrate this type of uh, go-to-market and operating system type type of uh, of business. And then at that point, I don't think an IPO is hard to see at all. This is very early, very early in your journey, but also this is what companies are not doing and they're not doing well. I've gone through your process. You do ask a lot of questions, but those are the data points that are needed. And I think you've got, you've got a great idea. You just have to pull all of this go to market together, which is why I'm going to give you a big applause. I really think this is something incredibly needed in our in our industry and obviously our country. All right, all right. Thanks, Chad. Laura Fraser, don't don't get cocky because it's my turn. I'm going from big chips on the shoulder to big waves in the ocean. Listeners know that I love a good wave. It's much better to be a pretty good surfer on a great wave than a great surfer on a shitty wave. A little tidbit of information for our listeners. According to a report by Deloitte and the Manufacturing Institute, an estimated 2.1 million manufacturing jobs could go unfilled by 2030, and the cost of those missing jobs could potentially total $1 trillion in 2030 alone. That means there's demand and not enough supply, which means, my friend, you're in the catbird seat for an industry that is going to need money, influence, attention. We mentioned government a little bit. Uh, We didn't mention the IRA in this call, the Inflation Reduction Act, which puts a lot of money into repairing, let's be honest, a crippling and decrepit American infrastructure that needs a lot of help. There are 7 million or so men, I believe, on the sidelines that are just opting out of the workforce. I think that uh, the the society's impression of laborers is changing slowly but surely. They're not viewed as losers like they were back in the day. I think that all that bodes well uh, for your business. I hope you prove me wrong on the IPO thing, and maybe I'll even buy a share or two if you actually get on the NASDAQ. I think this is also a global problem. There's a little thing called a war going on in Europe. Ukraine's going to need to be rebuilt. Europe as well is going to pitch into this process. 
Um, I think it's all very good. Immigration, as you mentioned, I don't see that changing. I think that's a political grenade that no one's touching, which means the labor supply is going to continue to be short, which means companies are going to be paying you a lot of money to help solve their problems. I have a hard time finding any bad around this business other than maybe unknown threats that we don't see. I don't see uh, any any Coke uh, competitors out there that'll squash you like a bug. So for those reasons and Chad's alone, I too am giving Skillet a rousing, rousing applause and it's making me a little hungry talking about it. That, Imagine my that. friend, is a double-double buy rating, which gives you big applause, the careless baby. whisper. Big applause. Yes, big applause. And of course, I got to play it one more time. Welcome to all things Scottish. Our slogan is, if it's no Scottish, it's crap. All right, Fraser, you survived the firing squad. How do you feel? Feeling good. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Good format. And uh, great <laughs> to meet you guys. Keep doing the great work. It's awesome. Uh, can, can we consider that a, a round of applause for our show as a first time? <laughs> Joel a- needed yeah, a hug absolutely. a lot when he was it a is. kid. Yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> I need a hug. I need a no, hug. All right, Fraser. Yeah. Before you leave us, where can our listeners find out more about the company? Skillet.com, S-K-I-L-L-I-T.com. We're also on LinkedIn, obviously. And you can find us on Twitter and Facebook. It's Skillet USA. No TikTok? We are on TikTok, but I think it's probably Skillet oh, okay, USA. Okay, good. All right. Well. All right. It's fairly new. Uh, yeah. Good to hear it. I would have changed I would have changed my review of the product. And with that, Chad, another firing squad is in the can. We out. We out. This has been the Firing Squad. Be sure to subscribe to the Chad and Chief podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you're a startup who wants to face the Firing Squad, contact the boys at chadcheese.com today. That's www.chadcheese.com. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.